Hello humans and any aliens listening in. This is the Inner Dive Podcast. I'm Esther and my guest this week is Lauren Wyrick. She's a writer and a friend of mine and we totally spaced on having her introduce herself. There were a lot of technical difficulties with the audio and sorting out the call up front, so we were understandably distracted. And really the conversation itself does a great job of introducing who Lauren is. We get into a lot of different topics. It was a lot of fun. And without further ado, this is my conversation with Lauren Wyrick. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. What? <laughs> that you sounded you were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> It's how I feel. <laughs> I have no idea. The only little bit I got of you was like kind of soft, like your normal voice, but kind of garbled, like you were talking through a tin can. Okay, I can see we are definitely being recorded now by Audacity. We're pinging levels. I'm going to just like stop the recording for a second and check to make sure I can hear both of us. Okay, okay we're starting back up. All right, so the audio is good. <laughs> Thank you for bearing Good. with me. I'm so sorry. You're welcome. I was like, I was like, I don't know what is happening. And I, I really appreciate that you maintained composure enough to remind me that I could not understand that you couldn't understand me because I was so focused on me not being able to hear you that I yeah. just kept talking to you as if things were normal on your side. And meanwhile, you're hearing. Creature from the lagoon, like trying to speak. It sounded like a weird, like horror movie, like warped nightmare. <laughs> it was really good. Well, I'm I'm glad that we've resolved that. But oh, yeah. Anyway, much better now. I'm yes. so yeah. Ooh, okay. new, new tattoos. Oh yeah, my birds. Oh, I love the birds. Ooh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had them done. I have this artist here in um, Knoxville. She's absolutely phenomenal. I, I get say, compliments on them. I was gonna say the art the is time. really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I love them. They're my favorite. I want to go back to her. I want to get a moth like right here under my like rib cage, and I'm like, I that's I a want good Diana spot. to do it. That's a good yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It just feels. I don't know. Michaela was like, that's spicy. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the point. I want that. <laughs> oh, Lauren, you are spicy. I, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I enjoy you so much. I remember, I remember a day when I first met you where I was like, oh no, what if I corrupt her? I must contain myself. <laughs> Listen, and then, you didn't corrupt me, but like, I, I came around on my own. Oh, like, that's uh, exactly. Once, once I saw, I was like, oh, okay, never mind. We're good now. I could just, yeah. we can just, no. yeah. Yeah. I just like to be respectful yeah. of where people are at and then, yeah, things transform. So. Yeah. But, um. Like, I remember. Yeah, I, was good. I was. Go ahead. What is it? No, go ahead. I was just remembering when we were meeting for a writing group in the attic and I was. Oh, the attic. I was for some reason telling you, whoever else was there, about the Lara Croft Tomb Raider video game and the sounds that Lara Croft makes in the in the video game. Yes. And I just remember yes. you saying, 
Esther. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I feel so chastened and also like I'm pretty proud that I got the Esther. <laughs> Remind me of these sounds really fast. Oh, you know the sounds they are. They're like very much, you don't think she's actually jumping to a rock face because you hear like, uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's not, it's not what you think it is, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anybody just listening, they're like, what is, what are they watching over there? Exactly. That's what. Like, when that's you, about when, mind your business. Well, like, exactly. Second. <laughs> is that yeah. somebody playing tennis or <laughs> another confusing sound that can happen? But anyway, how are you? I'm so good. Um, I like. We got to the gym, and then we, we got back to the shop, and um, I basically, like, just grabbed all my stuff, <clears throat> and then I I said bye to Lil and Katie, and I was like, I, I have to run home immediately, so I got home, I pet and, like, fed the cats because they were screaming at me, and I showered really fast, I made dinner, I shoved some pasta down my mouth, and then I uh, I was just finishing my dessert when this call started, and all of a sudden, it was like... <laughs> it's generous to say that the call started. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Something but started. But no, I'm, I'm good. Work is good. That's good. Um, I'm excited to, like, have room to decorate for fall, and then... But, like, I couldn't do that when I was living at the lake because there was no storage space. Oh. So, like, I mean, like, not a, not a broom closet, not a pantry, not... Are you in a house now? I'm in an apartment okay. now that has... I have, like, a sunroom. Oh. I'll show you since we're FaceTiming. Southern apartments. Nice it's, like, it's just an apartment, room. but it has a sunroom. Uh, well, yes. A little sunroom. I let the cats out there in the morning. That's and then there is a storage closet down there. Um, here's my vinyls wall. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The usual suspects. My friend, my friend got me this beautiful butterfly portrait. And also, have... this is just for us. Like, we're just tantalizing the podcast. Listeners wish they could see what I'm seeing. This is, Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm a huge podcast fan, specifically of my favorite murder, and I listen to those two women talk, and I they I know that they're making faces at each other, and then one of them will laugh and say Georgia just made this face, or Karen just did that. I'm like, God, I wish I could be there to see what was happening, but that's kind of part of the magic is that you're just yeah. hearing it. You, you have to, to use your imagination and fill in the visuals yeah do they record like because some podcasts will record the video too so you can see them sitting there together or whatever so you can actually yes. see um when they so they do like their full episodes on thursdays and then on mondays they do a mini sode and they record their mini sodes and their uh fan group like you can it's called the fan cult and you can sign up to get um, exclusives on stuff like that. And if you sign up for the fan cult, you can watch the recordings of their mini show. They're like, we even put on, like we put on makeup for you and everything. And sometimes they will drop little clips of that on their Instagram. So it's funny to like see the faces paired with the voice. Even like, I know what they look like. Oh, it's always jarring. Their voices, their voices in my head 
all the time. And so seeing them is a little bit funny right. every once in a while, even though I know what they look like. Yeah, it feels like humans are being puppeted by that voice because the voice you associate kind of as its own character and then seeing it come out of someone's body, it's like, wait, it has a body? <laughs> yeah, because even though I know what they look like, in my head they still look a little bit different. Yeah from that oh yeah so i see them and i'm like oh yeah this is what you're like actually people uh talk so yeah it's cool um but no it's been a dream of mine for a very long time like me and my friend started we talked about starting like a a true crime podcast or something that's still a possibility but i'm such a podcast nerd i love listening and so um you're like hey do you want to do you want to record? I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I would love nothing more. I'm so, if anything, just to like see you and talk to you Aww. again. Yeah. Like, it's just good because we haven't, the last time we saw each other was uh, December because we were both yes, in Huntington. We were both, we both, yeah. yeah, I think this time you were there a couple weeks after I was, but we didn't cross paths for the summer, for our summer visits. No, um, no. But yeah, this is kind of like a sneaky way to make sure because you know, the weeks can just go by and unless you have like something specific in mind, then all of a sudden you haven't talked for months and I do enjoy talking to you and talking to various people. I'm like, great, I'm just going to schedule them for this phone call uh, podcast. (laughs) We're going to catch up, but yeah, like just, I don't know. We've had a lot of conversations where I've just thought you have a very mature take on a lot of things and a very unique take on a lot of things. And I also really love what you're creating with your book. And so I don't know, I just wanted to kind of talk through some of those things. And you can kind of start with wherever I know you have something that you've just figured out with your book, you can start with that. Or if we just want to start with where we encountered each other. Um, A mini recap. It was, it was Sammy. Didn't Sammy like, she did. She was friends with both of us. She did. She was like, oh, my God, I'm friends with these two writing nerds that I think would really like each other. <laughs> I think so I was like, I knew um, I had met Ethan before because Ethan was like sort of friends with one of mine and Sammy's friends right. for a little bit. So like I had had a few short encounters with your brother. Right. But I knew nothing about any of right. the other. Yeah, because we ha- we were at different times. At, I think we attended a church, the same church, but not at the same time. At Is the same right? time, yeah. though. You right. were... Yeah. I was yeah. long gone, and you were there. And I was stuck there. <laughs> I didn't say stuck, but you were there. Well, it was part of the journey. I, I yeah, you clearly stuck. weren't I was, stuck. I was where I was supposed to be. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't remember, I think... I, it's been so long now. I actually don't remember. I just remember that I started coming over to the house to start writing in the attic with you. Yeah, I basically was like, I think it was around the time when I was collecting writers, maybe for the Joe's Attic, like the online writing group, which is really interesting because I had a memory, like I knew it started in 2020. And I just thought, oh, I started it because we couldn't meet up in person. But yeah, I actually started it before all that stuff started. <laughs> so it was almost like I was like, quick get an online community <laughs> it's not gonna be yeah. but actually were you right maybe it was even before that maybe it was before the online too it was before the online i'm sorry mavis what are you doing oh okay she's playing with a receipt here come here go get it i'm sorry i have to referee my 
my oh, no. calf, my and children. That's, that's um, just understood with animals. No, because I left college and came home in, that was early 2019. And we were meeting, I feel like we were meeting up before all of the craziness of 2020. So it might have been in the winter of 2019 and then this like early part of that. 2020. Okay. Cool. Well, anyway, however it happened, which credit to Sammy for knowing two people. I mean, not for knowing two people. Let's keep going. Of course, she knows two people. <laughs> knowing two friends, <laughs> no, yeah. She's a wonderful person. She knows many people. But sometimes when people have like close friends that they really enjoy, sometimes they like guard them and like, you know, like yeah. how people, not like people the that were, they, yeah, like, oh no, I want that person to stay my person. I don't want to share them or something. Yeah. And I love people who are like, hey, you two would connect and I would really enjoy that. Like, that's a really wonderful quality. So cheers to Sammy. Thank you. We love you. Cheers to Sammy. I love her and her purple hair, her piercing. She just, just looks like it. she should be drawn. Like, you know, like she yes. looks like a character. And I mean that in the best sense of that. I mean, of course, we love characters, clearly. Yes, of course, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Um, yeah, but no, I loved it. It was like I needed that because I, I had left college and then my boyfriend and I broke up. And it's like Sammy was in South Carolina at that point. I hadn't become friends with Michaela yet I don't think and so like I didn't have anybody yeah, yeah and I around was, and I was just stuck right. at home when like it felt like I had just kind of lost a little bit of everything I didn't right. agree I had just broken up with a guy I thought I wanted to marry yeah that was a blessing um <laughs> but it always is <laughs> eventually it look he, he's a wonderful person yeah and so like I just I didn't have any sense of community and mm-hmm. so and in the midst of kind of like some heartache and confusion and not knowing what was going on, the thing that I could still fall back on was my writing because that was a constant. And so to have that, but to then have a community and to be becoming friends with you and getting mm-hmm. to know you and just the magic that was the attic. Oh, like there was something, the uh, there's something about that space yeah. that was just electric. Yeah. Um, yeah, and little two. I love seeing two, and she would lay on people's manuscripts and, like, you know. That's her thing. Oh. And you, yeah. to this day, I believe, are the only person who has ever baby talked to two and lived <laughs> to tell about it, or that I've. I just remember you were, like, speaking to her, like, oh, or something and she was going towards you like yes and then she looked at me in the eyes with this look of like I mean if you've ever looked two in the eyes you know what it's like but she just looked at me like don't you ever speak about this to me and I was just like but here I am talking about it I still talk about it because I was just like ooh two I knew you had a soft inside (laughs) I couldn't help it I see a cat and I'm immediately like number one this is my child and number two like I have to talk to them and so no, God, I love seeing her. But yeah, that was. I, I remember telling you, like, I don't really have a mother child relationship with two. It's more like she's like a. I don't know. Like I feel a like, reluctant roommate? Yeah, it's a roommate, a reluctant roommate. And also, she might have accidentally gotten reincarnated as a cat, and she's actually kind yes. of pissed about it, and she doesn't want to talk to anybody about it. And it just, the energy is very different than, like, I see the relationships other people have with their cats. Ours is just different. Um, yeah, and, yeah, I love it. 
It's really good. But yeah, we had a a really similar, we were kind of in a similar boat around that time then because I was freshly back in West Virginia after being in Wisconsin for like seven years and in the middle of one of my off-agains of my on-again long-term partnership. And I was nannying for my nephew and kind of disconnected from most of the people that I used to know in that area and kind of my own little thing. So having someone else who got all of that and also got that writing is like the refuge that you go to and can take all of that too was super meaningful. So I really appreciate that you took a chance on, you know, meeting up and on getting to know each other and writing together. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, Thank you for starting that. And thank you for, thank you for letting me be your first guest. I'm super excited. The story. So I started with this particular story about like 10 years ago ish, 10, 11 years, long time. And it started with a, a dream. I had this random dream about, um, it was about gladiators. And I was like at this gladiatorial it's so funny. We arrived there by, it was like an excursion that you take when you land somewhere on a cruise ship. It was mm. like, we got there on a cruise ship ship and this was an excursion. It was so weird, but I remember it vividly to this day, like where I was sitting in the arena and what I was watching. And I had recently decided that I wanted to start like shifting from short stories and plays over to novels because I had just read the hunger games had just come out. Um, and so, and I'm actually rereading it right now because I was like, I want to go back to like my novel, like my love of novels. I want to go back to those roots. Um, and I started, as I was reading it, I started realizing just how much like echoes, I'm hearing from that and from certain things that I picked up that are echoing and reflecting into what I'm writing now. Like I didn't realize that I knew that the impact was profound, but I didn't know it went that deep. But, um, so I started writing a story about gladiators and I had my main characters. There was Mariah, Ronan, Cyrus, Ben, Colin, and my antagonist, Nikolai. But the story was very rudimentary. It was very um, basic. It was a little bit all over the place and not very organized. And it was almost kind of like a, like I'm just purging a kind of a bunch of fun, crazy ideas at once and trying Mm -hmm. to shove it and morph it into all one story. And so I spent a while writing that and then... I had an idea of like my characters didn't really change, but my plot shifted. And it was during that plot shift, that is what really like sparked the fire and changed everything. And that's kind of the plot that I've been working. It's like, it's like when I, it's when I was learning to throw for the first time and you just have clay and it's on the wheel and you don't know how to center it and it's messy and floppy and it's way too much. There's way too much water. This is a perfect analogy. Yeah. And, but then like I spent enough time with it that I learned how to center and I learned, I started to get some muscle memory in my hands 
So then when someone handed me the next few, mm-hmm. like, things of clay, I was like, oh, no, I'm, I know what to do with this now. I can make this. Also, sidebar, Lauren is a potter. So in addition to, like, you know. <laughs> I'm a baby basic potter. But you are a potter by profession now. Like, that is your day job, right? Like, that's a pretty creative day job. Pretty much. Um, I throw when I can. Um, we're, like, the barest bones of a skeleton crew so I've shifted over to doing more finishing work uh right now but I I work every other Saturday and so I'll I'll usually throw on those Saturdays like this past Saturday I made a bunch of tumblers because like I just want one and I was like that's cool that if I want a tumbler I can make one and then I can go to my co-worker and say hey can you do this glaze on it's just it's really cool yeah I love Um, that's beautiful yeah, so that's been very cool. And it's the perfect little analogy for what I'm trying yeah. to describe. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, I'm back into that. Um, so that has become the shift in the new idea that I had is where I have been for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a couple years working with one plot line, and I finished book one. And that was around the time that I left college. And I thought that what I had was pretty darn good. So I started seeking literary agents and I either, which is a terrifying process by itself, just being like, hey, here's my heart and soul. I hope you like it. I'm not going to cry if you say no. Um, And so for like the most part, I didn't hear anything back, Mm -hmm. but there was one, there was one agent. I want to make sure I get her name right. I still have this email all years later, all these years later, uh, Emily Van Beek. Um, she like thanked me for sending in my query letter and she, uh, looked at it, but she stepped aside and wasn't going to read anymore. She said that it's a super, uh, subjective business, but she ended the email with, I absolutely think you should keep looking for representation because what works for one agent or publisher may not work as well for another. Very best of luck, Emily Van Beek. And just that tiny little, hey, I think you should keep doing this, Mm -hmm. was massive for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so I kept at it, and then 2020 happened, and I, like, kind of hit my low point and I stopped writing Hmm. and then I moved to Tennessee and I started working um at Aloine and I became best friends with my co-worker and I started telling him about all these dreams that I've had for my book and where I wanted it to go and um he was like so why did you stop and I was like that's a very simple question but it was like, you might as well have punched me in the face by asking right. that. Right. So I was like, oh, why did I? Why did I stop? And um, I was like, oh, you're you're just afraid and you weren't sure what to do. And so you kind of started to settle. And so, like, I thought, I was like, okay, cool. Pottery is going to be my thing. I found my thing. I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. And then I started to realize this isn't actually what I want. And he was like, yeah, because it's not your thing. And so I started writing again. And that meant going back to the drawing board for about the 110th time (laughs) to make improvements and changes. And uh, I had to stop approaching it with 
fear mm-hmm. or um, like needing something from it. Because mm-hmm. uh, for a long time I was writing, obviously because I loved it and because it's what I was made to do, but I also thought like maybe if I can write and get it published, it can be my escape from this place that I don't like and the family that I'm having troubles with. And like, I I needed something from it. I needed it to do something for me. And so it's just been a long process of, uh, learning to not be afraid of it anymore and not needing anything from it and just treating it as it is, Mm. which is just right now. It's just me telling myself the story. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the escape hatch to your future. It can just be the thing you really like doing that yes. could lead and to your it, future. Takes, <laughs> but you, yeah, you're not going to put that pressure on it. No, 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 no. It's like you have to stop putting pressure on it because then mm-hmm. it's going to be fraught with issues. Right. You're going to be disappointed in yourself when right. it's not going the way that you want. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. And so I was... I was writing for a long time within certain limitations because I myself was still living within limitations. Mm -hmm. And so what did that, what did that look like in the story? What kind of limitations? So so what happened was I, I grew up very, uh, I mean, you know, this, this is all just kind of uh, fluff here. I, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home. And so I, I thought that I needed to behave and talk Mm -hmm. a certain way and be a certain way. And, I'm familiar. Once I left that behind, and so I, that applied to my writing. Right. I was still in the mindset of like, okay, I'll just write something that's young adult then, so I don't have to worry about treading into like too much of a mature right. territory. Right. Even though that's really what I wanted to do. Mm. So once I started leaving those limitations in my life behind, that started applying to my writing and. It's almost a year ago now I was on vacation and I, I was sitting on the beach early one morning and I, it's like the universe just kind of like leaned down and like whispered to me. It was like, Hey, you're ready to tell the story the way it was always meant to be told now. Mm. Like you're here. This is why it never worked before. This is why you weren't able to get an agent before. This is why it always felt kind of stretched or funny or wrong. It's because you weren't ready. Right. And now you are. And so now I'm free to write like as mature of content as I want. And so I, I was trying to grow and I was trying to grow my characters, but they couldn't grow because I wasn't growing. Mm. So, <laughs> that is. <laughs> That is the stuff. <laughs> it's it's like why aren't they why aren't they developing? And it's like oh, because I am holding myself in this box that I feel like I need to stay in, and so they have to stay in it too. Although I think there are some writers who were like, oh no, I'll explore those things I can't in my real life or that I don't feel like I should in my real life. Through. Yeah. But you and I, I think, both wanted to be very consistent because we were very heartfelt about what we about the things we held and believed. Like we weren't really trying to be you know, the rebels, we really felt like that was kind of how things were supposed to be until we didn't think that anymore, you know? Until we did it. And that opens, that doesn't open the door that blasts off the front of the house that like was stuffy that you were stuck in for all this time. Exactly. It's like, oh, the walls are suddenly gone and I can, I have the sun on my face. And now that like, maybe I can do these things. Um, Mm. But no, it's just, 
always wanted to tell something that was a bit more mature because it is a more mature story. It's yeah. war and it's ugly. And I think so many people romanticize war mm-hmm. and all of that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I mm-hmm. want to be honest about what I'm writing and I want to try to be true to that. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that when I was, I didn't even feel comfortable letting my character swear. Right. And it was like, we're like, we're trying to keep this violence PG, which is an interesting thing because it does feel like violence sometimes does get a little bit, not in movies maybe, but like in books, I would say, or on some shows, violence kind of gets a pass of like, well, the kids can see this, but don't let them see a nipple, like a female nipple. Like, you know, like uh-huh. it's just a strange, we draw the line there. yeah, we draw the line there. We need, you know, let them see that someone got murdered. That's fine. But you know, don't use this curse word. Like, it's just a really strange, the, the lines of what is it's a allowed standard. or not. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And so I was, I was able to, once I started growing, it was you know what happens like when a plant is left in a pot for too long, like mm. the roots start growing up against it and it becomes a tangled mess. And that's, that's how it was. You are bringing all, like, all of the perfect metaphors. I'm like, yes, I do know that. That's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, it's I'm like, like you're a writer, you Lauren. On, it's like I'm a writer. I was like, you need to be on your A game for this podcast. Uh-huh. This is coming from me, the writer who didn't know until embarrassingly recently like I think it was sometime maybe like two years ago I didn't know that the written word of epitome and the spoken word of epitome were the same word yeah it was one of those so, for you. okay like, I would say epitome? this is if I was reading it, I'd be like, this is the epitome sure. of this. Sure, of course. And it wasn't of until course. my dad called me out on it. He was like, what did you just say? And I was instantly on fire with humiliation. I <laughs> used to think that there was a word. There should be a name for this whole phenomenon, but the, where you have the written pronunciation and you know what the spoken pronunciation is, but you don't realize it's the same word. Um, yeah. I thought there was a word in the English language called mizzled. But it's misled. Mizzled? It's misled. <gasps> <laughs> that one, that's just for you, Lauren. And then everybody. Um, Mizzled. I feel like that, it was another one, too. But, oh, wait. That makes me feel so much better. That's really good. I'm also really appreciating that you are on your A grade. A game. A game, because speaking of mature content that shouldn't be mature, I have lost a lot of blood today, and I was like, man, I'm not going to reschedule, but I just don't feel like my most vibrant, like, on my, you know, yeah. on my A game self, and I was like, you know what, this is really about having a conversation with Lauren, and I want to hear, like, I basically just need to hold the space for her to be able to shine, and I'm happy to do that, Aww. I can do that, and you're doing it, so thank you. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. <laughs> Yes, of course. Um, but no, so so now anytime we joke, um, Lil will look at me and he'll be like, this is the epitome of this because I was stupid and I told him and now I get teased about it all the time. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, uh, but this like, might be the podcast title, except that no, it won't work because if I title it, this is why writing sucks sometimes. If I title it, this is the epitome of this, people are going to say epitome because they won't know 
how to pronounce it it. the way that it should be to be accurate to what you're saying. Anyway. It's okay. We're back to You could still do it and it could just be our little secret. It's fine. Um, but no, talking, uh, talking about the plant. Okay. So it was like, I finally got taken out of that very tiny little home Depot green plastic pot and was thrown out into an open field. (laughs) It was like, here you go. (laughs) So it's just, opened up the possibilities for everything. I was finally able to approach my, my main character has been through some shit. She's been through some really dark stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was stuff that I had always just kind of like glossed over before, even though I knew in my mind, I knew the extent of her trauma, uh, in her upbringing, but I never really talked about it. Yeah. I like hinted at it and I wasn't using any swear words. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to keep the violence kind of like you said, PG. And so now I feel comfortable writing about these things. And of course, in a way that is mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I started, I just had the random idea. Well, once I started allowing the story to just flow as it was, it, it's like ideas are airdropped to my brain from the ether. It just happened so I love that feeling so much. Yes. And uh, that really happens when, like, you stop forcing it. Like, oh, good. Okay, cool. Which is really hard to do. I still struggle. Well, I feel like I can not force on a few of my creative works, but then there's one or two, the fantasy project, that I just get real, I get real how is this going to fit? And I can relax. And usually when I fully let go of it, then the flowing starts again, but for a little bit. No, it's hard. You want to like white knuckle grip it because you, you want it to be, you want it to be good and you want to have it all figured out. And so when you start doing that, it's like you're choking it. It can't exactly. Which if anything could teach you about like, flowing, not forcing, writing really can, because when you are clenching on a problem, it just gets work. Like you, you basically just are backspacing things and never writing a yeah. sentence that you like and just feeling like your brain is in a knot. And then when you relax and go have a shower or go have a good time and do something else, all of a sudden it's like, bloop, like it just drops in like a little penny, like into the pool. Uh-huh. It's like, Oh, where were you? And it's like, you were tight and closed. How was I, how was anything going to come in? Yeah. So I, I had the random idea. I was like, hey, what if Mariah has this, my main character, what if she has this really nasty vice where she's a smoker and it's a weird, like, she's hoping that it will, she feels, um, I don't know if I should say, like, a verbal, I don't know how many people are going to listen. I don't know what kind of crowd this will get to, but I guess I'll just go ahead and say, like, a general trigger warning for the topic of suicide. But um, it's a weird thing for her where she's like, I'm too much of a coward to like put a bullet in my mouth. So maybe I'll just smoke myself to death. And it's just that kind of thing that came to mind. And now she has this really ugly relationship, like love, hate relationship with it. And that was just something that like randomly came to me one day. And now I decided going into the first draft that I was just going to, I'm not sure how I feel about writing about this. But once I... I was like, I'll just put it in the first draft, and if I don't like it, I'll take it out when I get to, like, second draft. I actually really love it for her, and I love it the tells, humanness 
it. It tells you so much about the character, especially just in that line of like, it's like mindful self-sabotage. Like she knows why she's doing it. She knows why she's not taking the other pathways. Like she's admitting, like she's very self-aware. She just doesn't know how to get out of where she is except by going with that route for now. You know, like that's a masterful detail. I applaud it. I support it. I support her smoking. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. We, you heard it here, folks. We support smoke. <laughs> let that be the, if, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, let it be that. Yes, take, let it be that. Um, so details like that and of her, she's grittier and she's darker and she's colder, colder, and I'm just much more honest about her past and the things that she's experienced. And um, I wanted to be a little bit more honest and brutal about the fighting and about war. And I was like, I don't know if I will, but I was like, if I decide that I want to write about sex, I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm like, no, I'm comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. If if I feel that comes along um, and would benefit the mm-hmm. story or benefit her relationship with her, um, like the growth with her love interest. And that's another thing. Oh, okay. I remember what I really wanted to talk about. So... <laughs> Um, for a long time, I was writing like this is Mariah's story and it's a war and rebellion sci-fi story was that. And I didn't want to throw the love angle into the spotlight because I was so sick of the tropes that I was reading and all of these young adult mm. novels with love triangles and stuff. I was like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to see it anymore. I love triangles. Yeah. And so... So I started writing Ronan, and it's not that he wasn't an important, like, main character, but I think I was I was holding him back because I didn't want him to get too much in the light. But I realized over the past couple of months, I have started to realize that Ronan has just as much of a story to tell as Mariah, and I don't want to quiet him or muzzle him mm. with that. And so now I feel like it has morphed into both of their, it's Mariah and Ronan's This is a development, okay. And and I'm not afraid of writing about them falling in love because my angle on the story that I wanted to tell started changing and it went from telling like a, kind of like a basic cookie cutter, like, here's these people they're being oppressed and someone rises up to help them fight back. Like it's still that story, Mm -hmm. but I decided that more than anything, I wanted it to be a story about Mariah and like crossing the threshold into this new world and learning how to heal and grow and love as she moves on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's most important at this point is just, all of that stuff is still happening and it's affecting everything, but I want it to be a story about her changing and, and it's ugly and she's destructive and she's not easy because she grew up in an environment of toxic men. Are you guys eating spaghetti noodles right now? You better not be. Stop it. I put the lid on this for a reason. Forget it. That's, that's the title. No, sorry. Are you guys eating spaghetti noodles right now? <laughs> Please feel free to cut that out. Uh, oh. 
I'm very happy to cut none of this. If you want that cut out, I could, but I I am all for the realness. The realness of the character, the mess, letting her have all of her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She uh, she messes up, and she doesn't know how to interact with healthy relationships with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I set up this duality between Nikolai, the man who raised her, her father figure, and then someone that she was raised along with, Charlie, who... uh, she shared an intimate relationship with growing up. And then both of those men were terrible to her. They're awful people. She doesn't know any better. This is the world that she knows. Mm -hmm. And then she shifts into this new world Mm -hmm. where I introduce Cyrus, who is a healthy father figure. And then on the other side of that, Mm -hmm. there is Ronan, a healthy love interest. Mm -hmm. And so she shifts over and she, Mm -hmm her mind is messy and muddled because she's questioning everything that they do. She's wondering what their motives are. She's questioning herself, feeling mm-hmm. like she's not worthy of the way that they're being toward her. And then she feels guilty for assuming that they would be the way that the others were. And so her mind is just a bit of a mess and she's, um, it's not pretty, but she's trying and she wants to be good and she's trying to figure out what it means now to be good because the entirety of her life has she's essentially been the bad guy right um and so there's that and i realized i wanted i didn't want to write ronan as just another uh just another love interest i wanted him to stand apart and i think the way that i've been trying to do that is by he's painted early on as a very kind of gentle loving figure. Um, he's just kind and he's gentle with her and she doesn't know what to make of that. And so she starts, she looks at him and she sees a, she sees a lover essentially. She, as opposed to a fighter. And she's like, man, I don't know what this guy, what is this guy doing here? But then later on you start to realize Ronan is fierce as fuck and he is a fighter and he's just a little bit of a dark horse that you Mm -hmm. underestimate and you don't see him coming. And I I wanted him to be both because so often you see one or the other, right? You either have the super soft lover boy or the super tough, broody, dark, mysterious. I was like, I want both. I'm making (laughs) him both. Death with the binary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be either one. He's not, he's complicated too, but, and he has his stuff, but it's so funny because, um, like he blames himself for his own sins, but he looks at Mariah and sees her kind of blameless and she doesn't understand that because she views her sins as in a much broader scope than his. But I started to realize as I've been rereading the Hunger Games that, so much of PETA is echoing into Ronan because PETA was like, I feel like PETA was a revolutionary character for the time. Just the kind of, just the boy that he is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to know that you are a fan of PETA because it's the correct answer. I mean, I don't believe in right and wrong answers on that, but yes, there is a right answer. That there is a right answer. Um, okay. Really quick. I promise this relates to what we're talking about. Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? 
No, not yet. Okay. Ryan Gosling uh, has this amazing song that he sings where he's like, I'm just Ken. Where I see love, she sees a friend. And someone, <laughs> I saw a video that someone had made of Gail, and it was like, no one. No one at any point. No one asked. And it's Gail. He's like, it's her playing that Ryan Gosling clip of I'm Just Ken. Uh, and I was like, that's accurate. Yeah, I, don't nice. get me wrong. I think Leanne Hemsworth is really pretty. but No, the Peter character just had... Uh, yeah, he had what you're talking about, the dynamic that you're not seeing represented a whole lot of, you know, someone who, like, a boy who's emotionally intelligent and kind yes. and also can handle business when he needs to and isn't, like, I don't know, just, like, not any of the extreme tropes, which I love with your main character, too. I just want to say this because I do want you to contain, but um, we were talking about her and the complexity of what she's been through and how she's dealing with it. And I really love that you're letting yourself explore her, not just as she's strong, so she's not going to need a lover sort of thing. Cause I think that has gotten like, we've gone from, we've gone from it's pendulums all the time, you know, like we've gone from, they've got to have a love interest. They've got to have two love interests. They've got to get married by the end of a book, depending on, or the end of a Disney movie or whatever. Like, you know, like, yeah. Those kinds of tropes that their lover has to be involved too. Well, if they're a strong, especially female character, they, they've got to be alone. They've got to be like the solo archetype doesn't need anyone and like very cut off sort of feeling. And that feels like yeah. an extreme that also isn't really true. Like we all need some interdependence and there's no really such thing as someone who's so armored and strong that they don't have some interreliance on other people. So anyway, I love that you're walking her through all those things and not letting it just be one, (laughs) one dimensional or, you know, that's, I think that's really necessary and needed to have a character that has all of that. So good for you. Thank you. She, she tries really hard. She has, I've taken a lot of my, I have sewn a lot of myself into both characters. I feel like I've pretty evenly split myself between like Mariah and Ronan. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've seen and, and noticed for a long time now. Um, I have often described myself as wearing a lot of armor and like picking up my sword and just kind of always being ready to defend and protect myself and being scared of letting people in. And I write about that with Mariah she has this very carefully placed armor that she has spent years polishing and placing perfectly so that no one sees that she is blood soaked underneath and she's damaged and she's broken. She doesn't want anyone to know. And I write at one point that it's like Ronan looks at her and it's it's like, he's really looking at her and she feels exposed as if her armor has turned to glass and he can just see everything underneath. But like, he doesn't look away. He just, he's still, he's unflinching. He's like, no, I see you and I'm not scared. Um, and so Hmm. getting to write that has been beautiful, almost as like a self-reflection of looking at my own stuff and being like, no, I'm not scared of dealing with this. Like I can handle this. Absolutely. I mean, we're, it's like we're writing, I mean, this maybe gets kind of sketchy when we have like the villainous characters or whatever, but there is a way in which 
everything is originating from our brains when we're writing it, right? So there's yeah. aspects of ourselves, or at least of us imagining what that character would do or say, where we are projecting our experience or our thoughts or something into these characters. And having one character who's kind of one aspect of your brain be reassured by another character who's another aspect of your brain, like, it is some trippy shit. And I love it. Like, I feel like this is one of the reasons why, like, writers of all people are really open to changing stories or to, like, changing, like, changing our minds about things. Or we should be. Because how easy have we seen a whole sentence just totally light up when you change one word? Or it becomes a really tragic story when you actually, before you were writing what you thought was more of a lighthearted story. Like, we can see how these things can just adjust so easily based on how we how we revise it, how we tell it. And, yeah, I just, I see you doing that in your own life, too. And I'm just super excited. And by the way, earlier when I said you were really mature, that word kept ringing in my head like Pippin when he knocked that, like... <laughs> skull down the well or whatever and it's just like calling all the orcs just because i'm like that is such a condescending sort of sounding word it's not even it doesn't it doesn't really describe my perspective i just was trying to find a better word and i just feel like one of it might be like self-possessed like i just really feel like you're really grounded in yourself and you're looking out your own eyes and you're very aware of what you want and how you think and I just feel like you really occupy that well in a way that I don't feel like I did very much in my 20s, hardly at all. And so, anyway, I just love that about you. That means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks, it's trauma. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm joking. You wear it well. Oh. Um, no, thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, and in the in the growth that I've been able to experience, like I said, circling back, you know, my characters have been able to do that as well. Right. And um, just being able to like use my own experiences to write about them as almost another way to continue healing right. over them has been really beautiful. Like being able to return to the low point that I had in 2020 that doesn't impact me anymore, but still being able to learn and take from that and apply it to my story. Mm-hmm. And like, I, at the end of the day, all I want is for my books and for like Mariah or Ronan to, to reach like one person who needs them because I needed Katniss when mm-hmm. I was younger Mm -hmm. and I needed Hermione and I needed Alina. I, all, all of these characters Mm -hmm. and then the things that I was watching, Wonder Woman, Daenerys, all of these characters that like I needed them because they spoke to me and it felt like they saw me and all of these books growing up books were a safe haven and escape for me during hard time. Mm -hmm. And I know what that meant to me and what that still means to me and so I want to be able to give that back to someone I want someone to be able to read my story and be like oh my god like someone sees me or someone gets me and I want if if someone does need an escape the way that I did like I hope that even if it's just one person that like I can reach them Mm. with this because I know what it meant to me growing up to have those things Mm -hmm. and so at the end of the day, I'm like, somebody needs Mariah. And if that's one person, then that means I'm going to write it. 
and I can't stop. And so, um, I wholly believe my friend says all the time, he's like, the only, the only way you can fail is if you stop. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I wholly believe in you. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it all unfold, but it's been, yeah, I was going to ask actually if you felt like there was a chicken or an egg that you could identify of does the character change and then you change or do you change and the character change? But I think you kind of already answered that where it feels like you changed enough to allow the character to change because there's a certain amount of editing or self-censoring that was happening of the inspiration can only come through in certain, you know, censored, like more cleaned up ways. And so when the channel is just more open and allowed to come through how it comes through, it seems like then you were freed up to write the characters the way that they wanted to be written and or the way that you really wanted to write them. I think writers a lot of the time will joke uh, that writer's block is that the voices in their head stop talking to them as in like, you know, their characters and stuff. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I stopped writing was because Mm -hmm. I was in a place of no growth and kind of darkness. And so nothing could happen. So everything just kind of like went quiet. Yeah. And they were like, well, we have nothing to say here. Yeah. 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 And so getting to a healthier place and processing some of my own stuff allowed them, like they were able to, to breathe again. They're like, Oh Mm. my God, like some, finally some fresh air, um, and room to change and as I have gotten older so have my characters like I yeah. started off I think the earliest that I started writing them was maybe at like 18 or 19 years yeah. old and now I'm writing Mariah at 27 and Ronan at 29 and I'm I'll be 26 next month so it's like they they have gotten older and matured as I have gotten older and matured and so mm-hmm. now I'm not so much trying to write a young adult story as just like general kind of science fiction right um so, yeah, um, it's been really good. And I started taking my Mac with me um, to work on my lunch break because I was getting really fed up with feeling like I didn't have the time or mental space and energy in the evenings mm. to dedicate to my book. And I was getting really frustrated. Mm. And then one night I knew that I was – uh, PMSing because I only had like 10 minutes to write and then I closed my laptop and immediately burst into tears because I was just distraught. Yeah. So taking it, taking my computer, I've, I've been doing it for like two and a half, three weeks now I've been taking it. Mm. And even just having 30 minutes to sit down and try to write. Cause you feel fresher. Like today I just, I feel fresher. Um, things come to me easier. Yeah. I just kind of go into work is like a total discombobulated labyrinth of things that have just kind of been thrown together. And so I, I take myself out of everything and I go into a little office space and I sit down at this desk. I put in my headphones, I turn on my writing playlist and I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I can in 30 minutes. And like today that meant me writing four paragraphs and some dialogue and then getting hung up on a sentence because of one word and then texting (laughs) Michaela and being like, Hey, finish this sentence because I don't know how. And then also running out to look at Layla and be like, Hey, finish this sentence because I don't know how. And he was like, I think you should do it yourself. And I was like, you're not, I was like, help me. I was like, I wanted to grab someone by the shoulders and be like, help me. 
<laughs> I just need one one word. And like I said the sentence, I was like da 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 and and he I was like he was like, I got nothing. Michaela was Helpful. Good for okay, Michaela. Guys, Honestly, there's yeah. there's decision fatigue sometimes, especially, I mean, you're working in science fiction and with my fantasy project, if you're making up everything, pretty much, or you could oh. be making up every detail, there's a certain point where it's like, I don't want to choose what kind of sandal they're wearing or what kind of footwear it is. Or once yeah. I, I texted my friend Kristen was just like, can you decide whether this character is going to live or die? Like, it wasn't a major character, but it was someone that yeah. I was kind of on the fence about. And I was just like, I'm so tired, and I don't really know. And that, I'm, clearly that's also the sign of, like, I should just be taking a break from writing at that point. But she did make the call when she said, it was like, yeah, that feels right to me, too. So, you know, sometimes I just need to hear someone else flip the coin and, and then... Like, someone else choose the word yeah. that I need to end of this <laughs> sentence. Because Can we play I Mad literally... Yeah. Uh, what was that sentence that... I had sent you a little snippet the other day. What was that sentence that you... Oh, made? yes. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wanted to read Instagram that. Chat. Let me Hold pull on. it up. Yeah, can you... I'm afraid to yeah, lose the... Oh, okay. Yeah, I sent you the snippet. This was for context. Okay. So this... I sent you... This was a be- the beginning of a chapter. Mm-hmm. This is the chapter that I just wrapped up today where there's some like inner monologue and thought happening with Mariah. She's kind of like going over the events of the night before where she had a really surprising and interesting conversation with a character. I had originally wanted this conversation to happen between her and Ronan. But then as I was writing it, I was like, no, this needs to happen. This needs to happen between her and Cyrus. Mm -hmm. I need to establish a foundation for their almost like father daughter relationship because Cyrus and Mariah butt heads from the very start because they are both, they're very, very similar people. And so he sees this girl come along that he doesn't know if he can trust or not. She's been working with their enemy for all of these years. And he's like, I'm not about to let a fox into the chicken coop. And she's like, hey, I'm just learning all of this stuff. Can you cut me some slack? Also, fuck you, don't get in my face. And so they're just like, meh, 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 and like just at each other's throats for a little bit. And they finally reach a point where they're like, okay, we're on the same team here. We can trust each other. Let's move forward. And then they have a really interesting moment where he shares something very dark about his past mm-hmm. because she's telling him, she's like, I don't feel like I belong here. I feel like everyone is too trusting of me. Mm-hmm into accepting of me she's like i don't understand why and he's like maybe it's because of xyz which was his dark history and she's like oh and so they have this really pure moment of vulnerability with each other that is completely unexpected and kind of cements their relationship mm-hmm. that um really starts to change the way that she views what like what a father figure is supposed to be like and so in this monologue that she's that in her thoughts the next day, she's she's remembering her night with Cyrus and she's remembering how he chose to be honest with her and how she chose to be honest with him too and how that was liberating, even though it was terrifying. And then she says, maybe vulnerability is a strength when shared between the right people. That's such fire, Lauren. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of these things. And I, let's see, 
yeah, I had written about that before. It's like she learned the hard way that she could not be vulnerable with people growing up because the person that she had previously shared like a weird romantic slash sexual relationship with, she had learned that being vulnerable with him when they were younger, as he got older and turned mean, all of those things were turned into weapons that were used against her. Mm -hmm. And the same went for her father figure. And she was like, Oh, this isn't safe. This isn't smart. This must be a weak. This has to be a weakness mm-hmm. because it's only ever been used to hurt me. Mm-hmm. But that's just because she hasn't experienced vulnerability within the bounds of a healthy relationship, right. no matter what that relationship is. Yeah. And so it, she's as she continues to move forward in her new environment with new people that are actually good and actually care about her she starts unlearning all of these things that she spent 25 years with and starts learning new things that she's like, maybe this isn't a bad thing the way that I thought it was. And maybe I was wrong to think this. And she stops blaming herself and realizes I'm not the one to blame for all of this. I am the victim here. Mm -hmm. Someone else did this to me and they are who is to blame for that. So yeah, but that's that's a lesson that I have learned over the past couple of years is that vulnerability is a strength when shared between the right people oh, and yeah. knowing when to lean into that right. instead of leaning back and running away out of fear. Right. Knowing when to do that with the right people has been has just been huge right. for me. And yeah. So. Same here. And it seems that it tends to be with the people who are also able to be authentic with themselves because they can't really accept someone else in their wholeness if they have a lot of compartments of things they don't accept in themselves. And that's usually where you kind of fall through trap doors and whatever when you're trying to relate with them yeah, is that you can, they are. You can start projecting your own, your own bullshit. Right. And, um, and that's the whole thing. It's like, you're not okay with your stuff inside. So right. Sometimes it can be hard be okay with other people and their stuff especially um, if it's at all similar to our stuff it's like eh, stop showing me that thing i don't like to look at in myself you need to get away from me you're bad because that part of me i think is bad like it's just yep some classic classic projection um i have a question about this writing playlist with lyrics yes. or without lyrics i'm guessing i'm gonna guess with okay so my the playlist that I listen to when I write, there are two songs on it that have lyrics. Everything else is without. And so, then, do you have a separate I soundtrack write, that is just so for yeah, the so vibe? I have, I have my writing that I listen to when I write, right. and that is a lot of Game of Thrones, a lot of Hans Zimmer from like Inception and, um, interstellar Mm. and then i have some stuff from harry potter i have some random stuff that i have found uh i have joe wrights from the newest version of little women um i have something from the old movie i say the old movie the movie that came out a long time ago a series of unfortunate events i have stuff from far from the madding crowd uh could you share this playlist with me possibly Yes, I absolutely will. This sounds like... I've been adding a ton of uh, really good stuff from Game of Thrones on here. I have a lot of... I have some some stuff from the Hunger Games on here. 
Um, so I'm going to share this with you. Game of Thrones soundtrack is a really good one for writing, too. Oh, my God. It is, it's absolutely one of the best. But, um, oh, yes, let me see here. Where's your name? Okay, here we go. So there's my writing playlist. Thank I you. have that. But then I also have Mariah's playlist, which is all lyrical, and I have Ronan's. To get into their headspaces, basically? Yes. Yeah. I was telling maybe it was him or someone else it was probably him I was telling him about my writing playlist and he just goes I bet it's a bunch of it's a bunch of Taylor Swift isn't it and so like I'm thinking about my playlist which has uh let's see here The Archer The Great War I Did Something Bad Mad Woman My Tears Ricochet uh (laughs) This Is Me Trying and This Love and I was like no why would you say that of course not but no i do i have mariah's playlist which is such a tender view into her head it's the good it's the bad it's the ugly it it's her learning what it means to like actually be in love and be loved it i recently just added the song that billy eilish did for the barbie movie which is what was i made for if you haven't heard that song it is so good i'll send you i'll send you both of their playlists and then do you listen to novo amor at all oh of course okay so ronan okay uh are you familiar with their song seneca Mm -hmm. i think so well okay i'm probably familiar but i don't know the names of the songs very well because i usually just listen to them and the names aren't very apparent from the songs that's fine i have there's a lot of novo amor on Ronan's playlist. And if I had to split, if I had to describe Ronan in two songs, it's Seneca by Novo Amor, which is very, Novo Amor, I guess I'd describe as like an indie folk type singer that he is. So he's half that, and then he's half uh, Welcome to the Black Parade. <laughs> and that's how, I, that's how I sum Ronan up, because he's 100% like, <laughs> He's definitely punk in a lot of ways, but then he's also like... So it's like quiet, whispering, Wisconsin woods sort of vibe, and then like punk, like full on. Like, you will never, ever squash me. You're going to hear me yell, like, come at me right now. And is it like divided playlist, like first half is all soft, or is it just all mixed up? It's just a mix. Um... Most, I've got, yeah, he's got some Hozier on here. I have a lot of Imagine Dragons on well, here. Hozier would work in with, well with that vibe. Yes. I like to find, like, a, either a song or a songwriter in their music. I like to find an inner voice for my characters. And um, for Ronan, I feel like, if I had to have an inner voice for him, it would be Novo Amor. And for Mariah, if she had an inner voice and an inner sound, it would be Florence and the Machine. I have a lot of Florence and the Machine on her. See, it's not uh, all Taylor playlist. Swift. It's not all Taylor Swift. And no, Taylor Swift is not her inner voice. Taylor Swift is my inner voice. <laughs> but it helps you get into yes. the, it helps you as the author get into the mindset of the character. That's your gateway. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, That's your portal. So, uh, oh, I had one more of the writing playlist. Oh, do you cast your characters? Yes. Okay. 
Has it changed? I have had them cast in my head for pretty much from the very beginning. Look at that. It's harder because I still see them as that. And I'm like, let's say the coolest shit ever happens and my books get published. And then it gets even cooler. It gets adapted into like a show or something. But your your actors are too old. old Yes. I have this issue. I have this issue. It's the problem of writing novels for too long. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, you should have capitalized on this seven years ago when Amelia Clark was still in her 20s. Oh, try Um, when, I mean, sorry, this isn't really Heath Ledger's fault, but Heath Ledger up and died when it was like, excuse you. You were a lead character. Did you not know? He was your... Oh, for a bit. For you, for real? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, I know. I love it. Oh, I'm sad all of a sudden. He would have to be still also, like, 20 years younger for the role. But, you yeah. know, it, it. he is... There's There are people who have essence of, so but it would be a Heath Ledger type casting for that role. But I was okay. pretty... I was pretty upset. This is not. I wasn't upset, but it was like, hey, can I still cast you? Is this weird? Was it weird before? Is it more weird now? Is it less weird? What is this? I have faith because, like, I look at the cast that they pulled together for the adaptation of Shadow and Bone, which was, I mean, like, they pulled those people from the pages. Yeah. Especially the crows, like, Kaz and Inej and Nina. All of them, I was like, oh, you... You could not have cast. And there were just people that I had never even heard of before. I were, was like, these were those, people are coming out of the wood. Were those pretty illustrated? Like, I know there are illustrations now for them, but prior to the show, like, were there illustrations of the characters? Because it does seem like the consensus I've heard from the fans is that the casting was just how they pictured everybody. And I was like, was she so specific and everyone pictured really well based on her words? Or were there illustrations where people had a pretty good orientation of what the character was going to look like? Leigh Bardugo, she's my favorite author. She writes, she paints a flawless picture in your head of everything that is going on, your setting, uh, the atmosphere, and what characters look like. Like, I think when she described Kaz, she described him as like a collection of like hard lines and tailored edges or something okay. like that. And it's that like, works. Yeah, no, I can, I can see him in my yeah. brain that combined with his outfit and his hair. Right. And so, um, that's the one with the cane, right? I don't, yes. yeah, I don't know if there were official illustrations. Cause like okay. I have the special edition of crooked kingdom where in the back, there are illustrations, but I don't know if that was before or after. So there very well could have been, like official illustrations of them that they had to work with when it came to casting. Um, if not, they still did it. Right. Because, um, I can't imagine anyone else doing it. So I'm like, okay, don't be sad that Amelia Clark can't be Mariah. It's okay. If it's meant to be, if that's meant to be a thing, someone else will come along. Um, Daniel Craig is Cyrus. Oh, I thought about fucking with you really quick and saying, um, oh, what's his face? Um, I'm so happy you're about to bring this up. <laughs> I can't I think of his name. Oh, here it is. Tom Hardy. Yes. Tom Hardy. I was about to say, okay. and Tom Hardy is All this right. person, just I, so that you'd be like, uh. So I know, I know him now, I think. Yes, I do. I just pulled his brain. Okay, just to explain to the listeners, I used to have a very rare condition. I'm the only person I knew of who had it. 
I had Tom Hardy <laughs> face blindness. <laughs> Which is it's my favorite thing anyone has ever told me ever about themselves. And you thought I was kidding. And then I was like, you named different movies that he was, because I was like, yeah, I know. I think I know. And remember when I was like, I think I'm cured because I recognized him like a trailer. And then you said something like, oh, yeah, I was going to see that because I, I think you mentioned some other movie he was in. And I was like, he was in that movie? He was and in I was that? like, all right, maybe I'm not cured. But I think now because he was on Peaky Blinders for a good bit and I think yeah. I've seen him enough that I now have it on lock. But I will say, if you threw him and Channing Tatum, like, if you did one of those, like, you know, you know with the cups where they're like, you know, moving like, them around. Which, uh, yeah, which cup is the ball under? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you lifted both cups, and I, it would take me a second, I think, because they're just kind of like, they're kind of like a, a general issue of like a, a meaty man with some lips that just kind of like looks the same in my brain. <laughs> I don't know why. A meaty man with some lips. I'm so sorry to Mr. Tatum and to Mr. Yeah, Hardy. It's probably the worst is, thing anyone's ever called them. It's the peak of Esther's writing ability. <laughs> meaty man. Hey, yeah, listen to these descriptions I can come up with. Meaty man with some lips. <laughs> By the way, I have not forgotten. Oh, wait, you're going to tell me the casting for Ronan probably, and then I'm going to tell you the thing I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Uh, really quick, and then I'm curious to see what you have to say. Um, yes, for Ronan, uh, you probably don't even know who he is. You'd have to look him up. His name is Drew Roy. Oh, I don't know who this is. Okay, look at this. In my brain, I'm so attached to him as Ronan. In my in my oh brain, my he was on. Oh my god, I Carly, of course, is was like almost. I was almost a little bit too old for I Carly when it came out. He was this hilarious character on iCarly, and then he did a couple of other things. He was in this show, I think it was called, like, Falling Skies or something. He hasn't done a ton. Yeah, I don't think I know. I haven't seen this person before that I am aware of. Oh, God, I'm so attached. Like, he he is Ronan in my brain, and I look at him, and I'm like, he's actually perfect. Um, but, yeah. Perfect. Yay. So, let's see. He's 37 now, so he's almost 10 years older than Ronan. I do so. think you should uh, just cast Tom Hardy as something. <laughs> see if I see if I recognize. I him. will do it, and I and I won't tell you. Yeah, and, and I'll be like, how? Okay, the ultimate test of me getting over my Tom Hardy face blindness would be if you picture Tom Hardy and write a character that is supposed to be him, and I okay. recognize that it's him without you telling me that that's who it was supposed to be. Because that isn't even seeing the face. That's just knowing the energy. (laughs) I don't know. I'm a meaty man with some lips. I mean... (laughs) It sounds so dismissive. (laughs) It's honestly what my brain thinks. Right? People fawn over Channing Tatum, and I'm like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. But then again, I I am not attracted to Chris Evans, even though I think he's a wonderful human. I've listened to him on a podcast, and he just seems as, like, 
nice as Captain oh, America. He's like the love of my yeah. life. Like number one celebrity yeah. crush. Yeah. But that, no, that's interesting. Like I would talk with him and I'd have a good time, but I don't have any like physical attraction to him. Even though yeah. as my as my friend Kristen once famously said when we were watching I think the very first Avengers movie, <laughs> she said, You could sail the Spanish Armada on those shoulders. <laughs> Ratio. It's a great look. Saw, it is. I saw a famous Tumblr post years ago that said Chris Evans has the shoulder to waist ratio of a Dorito. <laughs> and I was like, it's true. <laughs> that is one thing that I learned. <laughs> There's gonna be so much slapping in this podcast. Like I have my I have my emotional support hairbrush that has this really squeezy handle that I love to hold and I keep slapping I on my leg. I love it. I just sit here and dig my fingers into it. Yeah, it's a thing. Okay, I love the I love the Dorito like ratio. It's it's vibe and quality and voice to me are more important. Like I can see like the physical, like yes, your body is good, but there's some quality that's like no. It's just not there. Yeah, which is funny. But it's it's there for some surprising ones. Yeah. (laughs) Now you want to know a surprising one? Let me think about it. I have a potentially surprising one, but okay. I want to see. No, what tell you me, have. tell me your surprising one because I'm blanking. Um, Pedro Pascal. I don't feel like that's a surprising one. He's the man of the moment. He. Everybody's healing their daddy okay. wounds, and they're doing it through Pedro Pascal. Everyone, listen. There's this. I'm going to plug in another podcast here. It's called. I think this is your second podcast you're plugging. By the way, <laughs> we should get them yes, to sponsor I, this. We we should get yes I agree uh, it's called Holy Hell and um, it's this incredible woman that I follow on Instagram she like goes through the history of and deconstructs Christianity and how it came to be what it is today nice and so it's her she's essentially agnostic but she describes herself as like a sort of atheist and it's her talking with this uh, he's a pastor who decides describes himself as a sort of Christian. It's a very interesting pairing. They're incredible. Um, oh, no. I lost my train of thought again. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, we were Pedro talking Pascal. About? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, Pedro Pascal. They they open, They had this cold open on, on an episode I listened to the other day where he, he was joking that they were going to open with prayer. And so he jokingly goes, Daddy God. And she goes, No! She goes, Ew! And she and he's laughing. She goes, "That's never allowed." She goes, "Daddy is reserved for one person and one person only, and that's Pedro Pascal." And I burst out <laughs> laughing at work. I'm telling you, everyone is on that. Because he, I watched Narcos and was like, "Oh, I love this man." Um, because I think he's attractive. He also has the ability to be incredibly unattractive. Mm. which is funny and my family made fun of me for this when we were watching the mandalorian and his helmet came off and he was a sweaty bloody hideous mess they were like this is the guy you're hot for and i was like don't no one look at me (laughs) 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 i was like he has his moments okay there's just an energy energy the same way i recognize that brad pitt is a handsome guy i'm not physically attracted to him but God damn, if he comes on the TV screen, I'm like, I'm listening to whatever you have to say. No, that one, 
Maybe not the actor himself, but some of the characters he's played, like a few, like a River Runs Through It character, Legends of the Fall character. There've been some Legends Brad Pitt characters Fall. that work. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And also, I've had some dreams, and the dreams were pretty persuasive. <laughs> oh my I just want you to know. Oh, you can come back anytime. I, I plan for there to be repeats. Um, so, yeah. The hubris of my, my subconscious. There was one where he was making a pass at me. But Jennifer Aniston, we were like in bed. He was on one side. I was in the middle. Jennifer Aniston was on the other side reading a magazine. And he was like trying okay. to like get frisky. And I was like, she's right there. And also, like, I couldn't remember if I was attached or not. Like, my subconscious is very concerned with loyalty. <laughs> like, that's what I've learned yeah. about my dreams. But anyway. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really um, good. Oh, oh, here's okay. one. I thought of a surprising one. I don't know why no one else gets this one. Ted Danson, and yes, I do mean current Silver Fox version. I don't know who that is. He was on Cheers way back when, which I've had. Okay, I've also had Ted Danson dreams, and that's what got me realizing that that was a thing. Uh, 80s version. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why. It's it's true. You put, isn't that funny? Like, you put Captain America in front of me, and I'm like, okay, good shoulder, sir. You know, good ratio, good to read a ratio. Excuse me, Mr. Danson. Except once again, in my dream, I was concerned about Mary Steenburgen because that's his wife and they've been married a long time. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> and it, yeah, this is a surprising one for me. Um, okay, what I was wanting that's to good. wanting to bring up was this songwriting yeah. that you used to do that you told me <gasps> oh, in your bio. No. That you used to do. And also, in exchange, I can either go first with my, of what I <laughs> created as a child. Well, I created many things. But one of the things I created, which I told you, we could get into the animated movie. Okay. Yes, I do. I do want to come back to that. So I, <clears throat> I've had an unhealthy obsession with Taylor Swift since I was young. It's not a, listen, you love what you love. And Homegirl has gotten me through some stuff. but She's gotten a lot of people through a Mary, lot of stuff. She has. Um, I only have, like, two friends who really, like, get it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not the only one around these parts who, who has a strong love. But I decided that I wanted to write songs. And I even got my first guitar. I was 13 years old. And I got my first guitar... Um, from a pawn shop for my birthday because I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And Taylor Swift is leading the way for me. And so I, Oh my God, I just had this memory surface. I had songwriting notebooks, which I'm pretty sure are still back home. I don't think I would have gotten rid of them. You need to get possession of those as soon as possible. I need to. Um, there was one song that I came up with, and there's this girl that I went to school with, and this is, I'll never forget, this was in eighth grade. This girl was a little bit funny, and she was, like, obsessed with this song that I had, like, written, which was not a good song. I was in eighth grade. I'm not Taylor Swift, okay? And I, like, sang the song for her, and she became obsessed with it, and she 
was almost like, oh, I don't, how do I describe this? She was insistent in a ferocious and an obsessive way that I sang that song for her anytime that she wanted. This is a very weird memory that I have come up. Were you getting bullied like, to perform your music? When you put it that way. Did it feel like I that? Guess. No, it definitely felt like she was not being super nice yeah. to me. But she it. liked it the song? It wasn't like she was thing. making fun of the song. She liked it? No, no, no. Okay. She, she liked, liked the it. Song. Okay. I, she was just an, an odd flower. Yeah. And uh, she, I didn't grow up in school with her. She was someone I think that came in in like seventh or eighth grade. And then she, I didn't see any more of her after that. But yeah, I tried writing songs and I took a lot of inspiration from Taylor Swift and Lady Annabellum. And this is also really good inspiration from Rascal Flatts. And oh. did you ever listen to Roscoe Flats? Of course. I mean, I lived in West Virginia. Could you avoid it? <laughs> no, no, you could not. Because that's what you get when you play a country song backwards. I could almost sing that entire song by heart. So right now, any of the songs that you wrote, do you recall any of the ones? Like, does any of the tunes come back to you? Like, were there any ones where you're like, oh, you know what, that one, or are they kind of faded? Uh, the one that the girl was obsessed with. I have, I can very clearly hear the tune in my head. And a good chunk of the lyrics I still have in my brain, too. Those will go with me to my grave. Yes. Just because they were corny and silly. <laughs> and the song, I'll, I'll tell you, the, t- the song was called uh, Always Kiss Me Goodnight. <laughs> that, <laughs> the name of the song. that is not even as corny as what I will put on the table so that you can please tell me (laughs) i want to know every detail but by the way also i've only to my knowledge had two songs written about me slash sort of for me not really with my really desire or intention but just kind of you know hey i so one of them was called my mirage so you can guess how (laughs) flattering that felt uh, and then the second one was called, you'll love this one, you're always breaking up with me and we're not even going out. <laughs> <laughs> you made that up. Uh, I am not making that up. There is a singer songwriter. I don't know if he will ever listen to this, but he could confirm if he remembers it too, but it was played on a ukulele in Ritter Park. The, okay. The title of it combined with the fact that it was ukulele is like that one i liked that one reflected me pretty well i was like yeah that's accurate okay that's accurate but so those weren't corny well those are just song titles uh but the uh animated film because i was obsessed with disney and i wanted to be an animator i wanted and at a certain point because i couldn't wait to work for them as an animator i just decided i would create my own like movie, I'll do it myself. everything and maybe i would okay. be able to bring it to the studios when i like joined them be like this is my story this is the songs for it these are the characters all right get this this is one of those things where i'm like i don't know where this hatched from because i don't know these elements weren't really in my life. It was set in Costa Rica. It was about a girl who like flies to Costa Rica. And the name of the movie was going to be called Where the Jaguar Runs. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so I wish. And, and, and you would think. 
people can see this, Esther keeps picking up various items in her hand. I like, do. I've switched <laughs> from lighter to my pen and to my hairbrush. I don't know. It depends on which thing I need to touch to ground in this moment, I guess. I it started with the... With the lighter, and then it went to the pen, and then it went to the hairbrush. And Every time I put my hand down, if you're right, I'm grabbing something else. Um, I love it. Where okay, the jaguar you. runs, uh, I was probably nine, maybe nine or ten, maybe when I was writing this. Did the illustrations for the characters. You would think it was going to be about the little girl that goes to Costa Rica, but she's kind of just the framing device. She gets to Costa Rica, and okay. then the love story is happens between two jaguars. So I think I was... I would say I'm a little, it was being, I would say I was being influenced by The Lion King, but The Lion King hadn't come out at that point. This is a long time ago. Okay. I am old. I'm getting ready to say, when did, when did The Lion King come out? Oh. Uh, like 97 or something? I feel like it was like 95, maybe? 90, okay. 93? I wasn't even though. 93, it. 90, it was after we moved to West Virginia, I think. So what I'm remembering, I was creating... If I'm remembering correctly, I was creating it while we were still in Washington State. But, okay, okay, so I did, I knew the whole pattern of things that I needed to have, like, a love song. I needed to have, like, uh, sidekicks, and they needed to have a little buddy song. There needed to be a villain song. Um, The buddy song was called Day and Night. It was about how they're just as different as Day and Night. And it was a very, I had to have seen The Lion King, because I feel like so much of this is just recycled Lion King. Like, it was basically to Timon and Pumbaa, except with, I can't even remember which kind of animals that fit Costa Rica. I was doing all this research on Costa Rica and what kind of animals would be there for this. And then, Why did you pick Costa Rica? I don't know. I don't okay. know. Because I wasn't really, like, I don't know where I, why I was on to Costa Rica. The villain song was I Am the Mastermind, fine. The love song. That's how, how, how romantic was this? And I will not sing them for you, but there are tapes of me singing them. <gasps> That's what I want for my birthday. <laughs> you will not get them. You will not get them. Um, <laughs> but the the love song was called You're Just in Time for Christmas. For some reason, it was going to be also like a Costa Rican Christmas movie. I have no idea. <laughs> Why that was the romantic. <laughs> and if those tapes are destroyed, I will say that my middle sister holds some of the memories because she was helping me produce it and like, you know, being my assistant, I would just kind of direct her like what I wanted help with or whatever. And she recalls some of the songs that she can still hum and or sing some of the lyrics. Oh, my um, God. They were not catchy. I don't think they were catchy. <laughs> You're but yeah, you're just Christmas. in time for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> if that helps you feel I'm better. Crying. <laughs> this is so delightful. Please just say more right now. Um, I think oh. that might be all I can really remember. I did I did like okay. some like some landscapes for the like the settings, you know, like I did the I forget what they're called. I used to know all the terminology, but it's like the back basically the background paintings and I did like character studies and sketches and I just had a whole portfolio for this thing that I was just sure was going to be it (laughs) yeah I it had to have been after the Lion King but it does seem like I'll have to look up the dates on that I'm probably misremembering some things I can do that really quick I want to say it was 95 
Which in that case, it would that would be ninety four. So we had just moved back to West Virginia because okay. we moved back in ninety three. So yeah, maybe I was working on it in West Virginia. I just thought it was in Washington, but I was so in another world that maybe I just didn't notice what room I was in. <laughs> I'm really hmm. glad you told me about that. Yeah. That was Yeah, I was like, I could go ahead and text her about this, but I feel like that should happen live. I think she'll enjoy it. When I start laughing so hard that there's no no noise happening and it's just like a high pitched like wine or wheeze. Yeah, which was that's what was happening. Which, um, which part got you? I think it was the love song, probably. It was, it was so moving. The love, it was the love song. <laughs> I couldn't have prepared for that. I was <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going to sing it, but I will tell you, it was something along the lines of, the chorus was like, you're just in time for Christmas, you're just in time to hear, to hear of the tidings of Christmas, the tidings of Christmas. One of oh our family friends God. said, you know, you always were single-minded. And I was like, that's a really nice way to say oh. that. But also, it feels like I have a very, like, split, like, so many different things I want to be working on. But I guess what what she's meaning is that when I was into something, I would just go for it. And I was into yeah. animation, so, yeah. That's cool. I feel like I didn't know that about you. I feel like we hadn't talked about that no i did i was more into drawing and art for a while and then i think when i kind of got disillusioned with disney because they were like where i wanted to work for a long time and well a long time until i was like 12 and then all of a sudden i was like i don't really like how they're writing their stories i'd rather write better stories and then i got into writing and then i got kind of back into art and now i feel like they're kind of merged but i wrote like when i was eight i wrote a letter to the disney animation studios and i still have the like printed letter that one of the animators wrote me back and i knew their names like he wrote you back yeah yeah it was like and i knew the names of like the like the animators you know most kids you're done with the movie when the credits start rolling and that was just like when i was getting really into it like oh so and so did that character like you know like i wanted to know everything about how they'd made it Anyway. Yeah. I was a nerd. Am a nerd and will be. Always. Always and forever. That's yeah. the best way to be. If you ask me. Well, Lauren, I feel really satisfied with this conversation. If you have anything else you want to throw in the the old hopper here, you're welcome to. We, we did. This story has everything. We <laughs> discussed so much. And I love I love everything that we got to talk about. Yeah. It was it's like it always is anytime we get to talk. It just to anyone else it might sound kind of like jarbled and thrown together, but it's like, no, I'm I'm with someone who's speaking my language. Right. Uh yeah. yeah, and I feel like but, we did um, pretty well with hyperlinking out of things, but then going back and tying up those 
you were really good at holding your thought. I did my best to not throw you off track too many times, even though I had lots of things I wanted to say. <laughs> I can be a little bit terrible about getting on tangents sometimes. Um, but no, I, th- I think we did a, I think we did a banger yeah, job. I think so too. Um, I feel, I feel great about it. Found out about some interesting attractions we have or don't have. <laughs> Which that's, and that's the best thing that happens when the most random shit comes up and it becomes its own little thing. Like we couldn't have planned for that. It yeah. was just a beautiful exactly. little, that's my favorite. I loved it. Yeah. That um, is my favorite. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for inviting me to talk. Thank you it's, for. It's the best. Yeah. Thank you for doing so, so eloquently and clearly and all of your perfect analogies. I don't know if those were thought of spur of the moment. Or if you, but whatever, they were chef's kiss. Described so much of my own experience with writing. So nice to hear how someone else has worked through their own stuff and how you're still sorting out what the characters want to do versus realizing, oh, wait, that's what I wanted them to do. And I've got to get out of the way of that. You know, all of that stuff is just, it's nice to talk to someone who understands. So thank you for your time and for your spirit and energy. And I look forward to hearing more about what is happening in this moment um i my cat is attacking the back of the couch that's what i, I thought my arm back to grab him and he ah, has claws and teeth in my arm i thought it was cat related hey snookums but yes thank you <laughs> um i would love to do this again yeah. and of course we will keep in touch just in general and i'm really excited to hear how this comes out and i will talk to you later hey right. thanks for doing this talk to you soon Thanks for joining me on The Inner Dive. You can stay up to date with the podcast via Instagram, Facebook, and Substack at The Inner Dive. You can also subscribe to my newsletter on Substack or find me on Instagram and Facebook, all under the name Follow the Paint. And if you're willing, please rate, comment, subscribe, share. Any and all of that greatly pleases the algorithm overlords and also warms my heart. Thank you. Enjoy your journey. Till next time.